Welcome to Raising Parents 2.0, where we learn to take fear and worry out of life and parenting and lead with love and leadership. I'm your host, Saloni Singh, a mom, a life, family and self-mastery coach. Every week, I'm interviewing inspiring people from all walks of life to talk about the essential ingredients to create a life that inspires you, your children and make a positive impact in the world too. A life you love living. So let's begin. Hello everyone, this is Raising Parents 2.0 and I am Saloni Singh, your host. My guest today on the show is an absolute delight. I can't hold my excitement to introduce her. When I met her recently, I felt like meeting the most gentle, kind and warm-hearted person ever. Amy Blake Hardison. Amy was born and raised in Arizona. She graduated in English and she chose to be a stay-at-home mother, focusing her time and energy on her family. She is a mom of four children, age group from 41 to 34, and a grandma to 11 wonderful children, from twins age 14 to one year old. Wow! I am sure this episode is going to be amazingly special because it is for the first time for grandparents as well. Throughout her life, Amy's passion has been learning. She has worked as a volunteer teacher for 24 years. She has authored two amazing books, How to Feel Great About Being a Mother, when she was a young mother herself, and Understanding the Symbols, Covenants, and Ordinances of the Temple. She is married to Steve Hardison, coach Steve Hardison, and is currently finishing a book about her amazing husband, the ultimate coach. That must be quite an experience, Amy. And I must add that Steve has told me that I am interviewing one of the most wonderful and happiest human beings on the planet today. Coming from my husband, that is huge. A very warm welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. In your busy schedule, I know you have been really busy in finishing the book. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Amy. So I would love to start by asking you about your motherhood journey. So how has been the experience of staying at home as a mom and all the things you have experienced in this journey? So first of all, I have to say that um, I chose and have absolutely loved being a stay-at-home mom. It was the most rewarding, exciting, wonderful career that I could have chosen. And I fully recognize that not everyone has the opportunity to do it. And it's, it's not always the right path for everyone, but it, it was definitely the right path for me. And that path started as a child. And I had the privilege of having a really functional, loving, secure, happy home to grow up in. And so family was everything. My father was a successful attorney and I can remember um, as adults, he took all of the adult children on a vacation to a ski resort. And I was riding up the ski lift with my dad. And I said, Dad, what have been the best times in your life? And without a, a, you know, dropping a beat, he just said, family vacations. You know, and family was just always really important. And so I came from this place of, of valuing family as, you know, just the most important thing in our lives. That being said, I was not particularly um, 
confident going into being a mom because I was never a real little kid person. I didn't like babysitting, you know, and I can remember being pregnant thinking, I hope I like this. And then I had this baby and it was like a mom was born, you know, and from that moment, it was like, this is everything that I want to do. And um, I, for me, it was just really important to, to be there for them and to be there for those important moments. I think for me, it was important not just to have quality time, but to have quantity time. And it was as much for me as for them. You know, I feel like if I hadn't been there, I would have missed out on so much. And I feel like um, it was just, it was an absolute privilege to be able to be a stay-at-home mom. And that being said, it's not easy. It's a demanding job. Um, there's times you're you're really pushed to the edge of managing everything. It's definitely not an easy job. And I loved it when uh, you got to understand that I'm 61. So as I'm raising my kids, we're going back a generation. And Steve did more, a whole lot more than my dad did, but he doesn't do nearly as much as my sons do. So when we were growing up, we kind of chose, and it was part of the generation to have a pretty conventional traditional home. So I was home with the kids and Steve was out working and um, he had done Landmark Forum and he loved it. And he's like, oh, you, you got to go. And I said, are you ready to watch the kids for two weekends in an evening? And he's like, yes, yes, yes. I want you to go. After I came home for the first weekend, he looked at me and he said, the dishes just piled up. Every time I turned around, they were, they were like rabbits. They were everywhere. And there's, there's, he goes, this was so hard. He said, I will never ask you, why are there fingerprints on the television? You know, so he got a wake up call and he said he broke out in a cold sweat between weeks or the week between the two weekends, knowing that he was going to have another weekend. And on that weekend, our daughter, who was probably five at the time, got chicken pox. He was up in the middle of the night with her calling my mom saying, what do I do for chicken pox? So he got, you know, baptism by fire of being the stay at home dad. And he has always, even before that and after, but he has really honored that role as something that's demanding and, and takes the best that you can give if that's the, the career choice that you make as a mom. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that was beautiful. And you're so right. It's not easy. It is a very, very demanding job. And I don't know why still when, when you know, I talk to mothers, and when they say that, you know, I'm just a stay-at-home mom or I'm just a housewife, I feel like, no, it's not just. I know I've just stayed home like just for a couple of months, you know, after after both of my children. And I know that was really tough being, being a working mom. It, it isn't easy. Totally. And, and it's really hard what you're pointing to because there, I still believe that to some degree that career choice gets a little bit dismissed in the world. So that compounds the difficulty of being a stay-at-home mom. And I, when I had my kids, our first one was born in 1981, or I'm sorry, 1979. Second one was 1981. So in 1979, and in the United States, that was a big push for ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. And I really believe there were really important things that needed to be corrected you know, both in law and in, in the social consciousness of women's contribution. That was really, really important. But unless you lived through it, 
what you might not know is that underneath there was a current, there was this conversation that was saying, women, you can do something more with your life. You can do something more important than staying home and just raising kids. Now's your opportunity to be free. You can do it all. And, and that was when I wrote my book. I was 27 years old. My first book, I was 27 years old. I was actually expecting our last one. So I had three little kids who were, you know, two, five, and seven. Um, but it was because the message in society was, you know, you can do something bigger. You can do something more. And so the book was How to Feel Great About Being a Mom. And so I think that that does, it definitely adds to the difficulty is that um, sometimes it's an uphill battle fighting against the preconceived ideas that this is a default something, a default job, something you're doing because you can't do anything else rather than it's a choice. I do believe that after like 20 years, women start saying, wait a minute, yeah, I can do it all, but I don't want to. I'm totally exhausted. And I do feel like there's a lot more space nowadays to say, you know, do what path works for you, blend it, do one, do the other. We're, we don't have to be so harsh on each other. And I think that's really important that whether you're a working mother or a stay-at-home mother, that we just need to love and support each other and understand those choices are, are made by someone who is the only one who really knows their situation knows their temperament, knows their heart, knows what's the right thing for them. So we just need to be really positive and, and, and embrace these different roles and the privileges that we as women have. Absolutely, absolutely. Beautifully said, Amy. And I really see that women nowadays, especially like they just feel like being torn. Like they have to be a certain way because maybe career or making, you know, just following their ambition is more, you know, powerful or more fulfilling than even though if they want to stay at home, you know. So I am really intrigued to know some of the things from your book, actually, because the title was like, oh, I want to read this book. I told you that, right? So I want to know what uh, some of the things you have shared in the book or from your life, like what kind of principles or maybe any experiences you can share for a mom, because I know moms, just they have so much guilt if they are working then they have a guilt that you know they're not staying with their children if they're at home then they are you know having this guilt oh maybe i'm not being a role model for my daughters so it's always you know we always find a way to feel bad that's that's how i see when i you know talk to my friends all the time this even i'm going through that and there was a time when i decided no i'm not gonna do any more guilt so i want to know from you like tell us how to feel great about you know being a mother well, let me share something else to address that is um, I have this amazing brother who did his undergraduate at Caltech, which is very, you know, uh, an elite university in California. And he got his PhD from Stanford. He's an astrophysicist. He's absolutely brilliant. He met his wife when she was getting her PhD from Stanford. She is also brilliant. And she had chosen, and they knew going in that she would, she chose the career path. She's amazing. She's like, she, I am in awe of who she is, her capabilities, um, her ability to handle problems. I mean, she's just incredibly, incredibly capable. And they had two sons who are just as smart as they are. I mean, these incredible kids. And at first my brother was working and then they moved to follow her career. And she eventually ended up 
being the dean of the business school. And she also ended up being the president of Bentley University, so pretty high powered. And as they had moved around to follow her career, my brother's career, they said, you know, he was working through the computer and they said, we love your work, but we're calling everyone back to be in-house. So they couldn't do that. So for a while, he didn't have a job and he stayed home and he was there with the kids. And then when he started looking for his job, he's like, I need to be home at three o'clock and I can't travel and all these things that traditionally have been uh, you know, something women have taken on more than the men. And when we talked to him, he'd say, we chose to have children. And Allison has a really demanding job and she's often gone 12 hours a day. If we were going to have kids, someone needed to be there. And I love that he could set his ego aside, that they could decide what worked best for them. And in their case, putting her career career primary was best for them. He made a choice to be there for the kids. And so I, I just think one or the other needs to have a primary role of being there for the kids. Doesn't mean you can't balance it. So that I think that's kind of some some good background on what it is to make it work is is one is a commitment to be there. So some of the things that I think are helpful in being a mom is taking the long view. You know, when you are a mother with young children, you know, it's like you get on Mother's Day, you get a little plaster of Paris plate with a handprint in it, or I have, I still have one of a plate with um, a picture with handprints all over of my son when he was about five. And, and then you, you know, you get the I love you and you get that, but you don't get a whole lot of real reinforcement until 20 years pass. You get joy. I'm not saying you don't get joy because it's incredible. And just, you know, those moments when they throw their arms around you or, or when you're there to help them with a, a problem. But 20 years later, what you have, if, if things have gone well, if you have is, is you have this close loving relationship where you can step back and you look at your children and you say, I am in awe at these amazing human beings that I had the privilege to have a role in their life. And I've watched my kids go grow up and they are extraordinary. They um, do well providing for their families. They work hard. They have good values. They're amazing parents. Um, they're, they serve. They love. They're fun. They're well balanced. They're great with people. And I just, I think, what more joy could I ask for? And being able to have had a role in that, of providing that foundation that says, now go fly. You know, and so if you can step back and take the long view and know that in the midst of those hairy days where you are, you know, dealing with homework and trying to get the kids to their lessons or have being up all night with a sick baby, or, or sometimes there have been moments where I felt like, man, I've given everything for this, and it doesn't feel like it's going very well, you know, and, and you can have sparks that are flying and teenagers that are hard. But if you can take the long view and know at one point, you're going to say, this is the best thing I ever could have invested for my life. And I am so proud of these amazing, amazing individuals. And then being where I'm at now, I see how fast it goes. Like you hardly get any time at all with these precious beings and, and then they're off on their own. So um, keep the long view. 
you know, know what you're about and then and enjoy the moments. And I think that is one of the things that's so easy to do as a grandma. I used to think that grandmas and grandparents, they were good because they had learned all this wisdom from life. Like they know it's not as important if there's toys that are cluttering in your house or whatever. Now I go, oh, no, that's not <laughs> that's not what's going on at all. What goes on as a grandma, you don't have to do it 24-7. So when the kids come in, you can look at them and you just go, they are so amazing. All you have to do is love them and just have them show up as amazing. And then when they go home, you can do, you can clean up the house and you can do your jobs and do everything. You don't have to balance everything and, and, and you get the break. So um, being, being a grandmother is, is absolutely wonderful, but it, it does point to, it, there's a difference of a role. I don't have to hold um, rules. I don't have to say, you know, you need to clean your room. I don't have to train them in, you know, morals and ethics and religion and all those things. That's, their parents are doing that. And if their parents are doing that, my job is to say, you're amazing. And I love you so much. It's like, what a cool job. That's yeah. really amazing. So minus the difficult bits. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so good. It can still take a lot of time and it can still be some work, but it has the hardest elements are filtered out. This, this brings me to this question, Amy, that as you mentioned, that there are hard times. There are times when, you, you, you know, we are ourselves stressed. It would be anything. It would be, you know, somebody is sick in the family or some other challenges are going through. Even, even as teenagers, you know, we, we all know I have two teen daughters at home. So I know the, you know, the tantrums, the mood swings and ups and downs and so much happens. So what would you say are like some of the traits or attitudes maybe which helps to really create a happy environment at home? Well, let, let me speak first to that from a long view. And I look at my parents and all, I have five siblings, so six kids, big family, wonderful family. And all of us as kids would say, mom and dad were perfect. Now, were they perfect like they never made a mistake? No, they made some mistakes or, you know, maybe we got yelled at when it was our sibling that did it or whatever. But we look back and we say they were perfect. They, they couldn't have done more. And so one is realizing you're not going to do it perfectly. It's going to be hard. But if you have an environment of love and space, graciousness and forgiveness, so you have space for one another, for, both from parent to child and, to, and, and other way, child to parent, all of those hard things, they kind of get forgotten. If you've generated an environment of forgiveness and grace, and so I think that helps a lot because you are going to have mistakes. There's things that you're going to do that you, you just totally blow. And I, I remember talking to one of my daughters and she was telling me the things that we blew, you know, the things that we messed up on. And I was surprised because the biggest mistakes I made, she didn't remember. And I was surprised because things I didn't think were that big, she did remember. But if you have this space and create a, a, a home of love and forgiveness, those things can go to the side. You can let go of those and, and just embrace we're human beings doing the best we can. Um, but we're definitely human beings and we have issues. And, and sometimes we're doing parenting through stresses in finances or stresses in relationships or, or things going on, or maybe someone has depression or whatever. So it's like, 
parenting isn't like, you know, this perfect environment. It's like in the mess of real life. So it's okay if it gets a little messy sometimes, if, especially if you can come back to a place of love and, and even ask your kids forgiveness for, for when you mess up. But, you know, and I also think that, you know, forgiveness is, and is just doing it better and keep trying to do it better, to never give up, you know, just never give up. Beautiful. Forgiveness and grace. That's beautiful. So uh, one more thing happens in families, which I hear again and again, is, you know, the conflicts between partners. Because, you know, husband and wife, they've come from completely different families, different backgrounds, different upbringing. And I know, like, uh, when my kids were young, me and my husband used to, you know, no, no, she's so young to go on a trip, go on a trip. My husband will always be, you know, fearful because that's how he was parented. And my upbringing was totally different that let kids go, let them experience. So uh, how do I, I'm sure you had some, you know, your share of the difference with your husband. So tell us, like, how do you deal with that and what advice would you have for parents? That was really hard. You know, Steve came from an environment where his mom said jump and he said how high. She was tough. She was a taskmaster, you know, and she was definitely in charge. My parents um, were much more laid back. You know, the worst thing that, that they could do was express that they were disappointed in something we had done. You know, they never physically hurt us. You know, I don't even ever remember being grounded. We could just talk through things. So um, they, it, it was really hard. It was, re, it was really different. And Steve grew up, his parents were divorced. So she had a single mom and she wasn't home a lot. And Steve was the first one to say when we got married, I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to do this. I haven't experienced, you know, successful marriages and, and families. They, they were kind of going on their own. They didn't really cohere as this group because they, they were forced, to, they were all working for survival. Um, you know, and, and in my naivete, I'm like, oh, that's fine. I got enough of this for both of us. Not understanding how you're bringing different personalities and different backgrounds. And to be really blunt, sometimes we just got through it, you know, and sometimes we got through it with frustration. And, and sometimes you get through it with love and compassion and you can listen and, and you come up with compromises. And like for, for one of us, one of ours is we had different ideas and different feelings um, around finances. And like, do kids have jobs early? Or do you pay for college? Do they work in college? And, and we came from different, different places with that because my parents' education was really important and they had the financial means to pay for college. For Steve, no one in his family had gone to college and he had to pay totally for his own college. So we kind of worked out the compromise, you know, of, of yes, they needed to work as they started to college, but we would pay for college if they didn't have scholarships. And um, they had some jobs in high school, but not so much that it overwhelmed their ability to study. So you kind, we kind of worked on compromises. I probably would have given them a little bit more so they could totally focus on education. But I also recognized that being able to manage real life and working and school is an important life skill. So I moved a little bit, Steve moved a little bit, and we got to a place where we could work it together. But, but it's not easy. That can be a really, really hard thing. 
right right thank you thank you for sharing that honestly amy because it's it's about just really seeing you know just communicating and coming to a consensus like which works that's what i'm hearing from you right and now i'm being able to move a little bit from your what you've experienced and say you know there there could be another way that works also right yes so now you are you are parents of adult children so i'm sure even the teens and toddlers have their set of you know challenges i have no idea how it is to parent an adult you know um, child so how is your experience and you know what kind of challenges you face now and how how do you deal with that like i said before it is so easy to just look at these adults and be in awe of how incredibly they're living their lives i am so proud of each and every one of them i mean they're just they're capable wonderful loving amazing people but the hard part comes in because when they're little you know their problems are like i fell and i got hurt and i've cut my knee or i'm not class president or this friend is leaving me out. You know, there there's things that you you love them and you comfort them, you know, when they're really little, you kiss them and make it better and then they go on. They get to be a, adults and you're dealing with big problems, you know, so divorces, challenges that are sometimes financial challenges that are really really big. And as a mother, as someone who, you know, their hearts are always in your heart, it can be really hard. And I can remember um, struggling with, okay, how do you carry the problems that adult children have? Because you care and, and yet they're not your problems and you can't do anything about them. You can't do anything about them. And I can remember Actually, almost everyone I know who's in my stage has kind of wrestled with how to make that evolution. So that's not personal. You know, that's pretty, I think it's a pretty common thing of how do you do this? And, and some parents, I think, get too involved in their kids' problems, you know, and they're still, you know, some, some parents tend to be controlling or still controlling adult life. And, and neither my parents nor Steve's mom did that. So we didn't have that role model. And, and that wasn't hard. But it's just how do you carry their problems when they're, they're adults and you can't do anything about them? And I can remember one time visiting with um, a woman that attended my church con congregation. And so she was probably 20 years older. So she's just that much older in a conversation. And I can remember saying, Jackie, how are you doing? And she said, I'm doing great. And we talked for a while. And I said, how are your kids doing? And she said, oh, great. This one's going through bankruptcy and this going, this one's doing this. And I said, Jackie, you said you're doing great. You have all these things that you're dealing with. And she said, I learned a long time ago that life is about solving problems. And the earlier my kids can learn how to deal with the problems and the more problems that they deal with, the better they will get at it. And it just was like, that was one of the keys. It's like, that is incredible. It's like, I had been looking for answers like that. I mean, I felt it was heaven sent for, for her to instruct me with someone who was so wise and who had gone down the path a little bit farther than I had. And then I also realized that if I carried fear or, or worry for my kids, then I was really not trusting in their ability to handle their issues. And I was very clear that my children are competent and capable and amazing. And I just needed to trust them. 
you know, and, and, and then the other thing is you, you look back and you go, yeah, we went through stuff like this. You know, it's, it's what makes us as human beings is going through these tough things. So it was just shifting perspective of, um, you know, it, it, that helped me to find the line to still be there. You know, you listen. Um, sometimes they want your counsel. Lots of times they do. But, but then you kind of have to stop and just trust them to, to do what they need to do, just like we did. Oh, right. Yeah, that, that's an amazing perspective, really. That even if so much is going on in their life, like you just have to kind of, you know, stay in your own zone, right? Just in your place and let them handle and just be supportive where you can rather than making it your own problem. That's what I'm getting from this. And, and also trusting that their path is right for them. You know, that sometimes you look at it and you think, well, I would have done it this way. It's like, yeah, but that's my path. You know, so it's trusting them. And I think that even though that's a really valuable perspective for um, parenting adult children, I, it kind of helps there when the kids are little. You know, it's like, can you trust them to know that they're learning what they need to learn and they're going down the path that they need to learn? And so you can start that early on. Absolutely. I think that is one of the key components to really trust in your child's journey. Yeah. It really takes a lot of pressure off, I believe, from the parents as well. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it is, um, I want to ask you actually, because I've heard so much that you are really happy person from Steve and so, so many other people as well. Even Gary has mentioned to me, like, Amy is just amazing. So what would you say is, what makes you so happy? Is it just natural, inherent, or have you learned to be that way? What, what, what is the secret sauce? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I cannot take any credit for being happy. My dad is the ha was the happiest person I know. He was just always happy. And I just felt like we got it genetically and we had a happy home. And so we had that security, we had that modeled, um, we got this genetic real blast of, of just being happiness. And it's not unique to me, like my sisters and my brothers, they have that same just being at peace. But if we were to dissect it just a little bit more, um, there's not one right way of being. So Steve approaches life like, I'm going to create what I want to happen. Like if someone says, this is the way it is, I have something to say about it. And he's a mover and shaker and he gets things done and he creates miracles. I kind of come from the approach of someone says, this is how it is. And I think, okay, how do I adapt to that? So how do I make that work for me? And not, one's not right. They, they're kind of different paths. They offer different ways. But kind of one of the things is things come up and it's like, so this is just it. So what do you do? You know, you, you kind of like loving what is, you know, it's just like that. So that has, I don't know if that creates the happiness or our peacefulness, but it kind of um, maybe both. And I think that there's a little bit of me that's just a little bit chill. So maybe there's a lot of me that's just a little bit chill. And I think um, that allows happiness a little bit more because things are fine the way they are. Wow, absolutely. I think and peacefulness and happiness go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. I think the contentment you already have that when you're loving what is. So that's and, and maybe I should say also that I have a life I love. 
You know, for us, we have, um, we actually live a pretty simple life. Like we've chosen to live a simple life. We have chosen not to be, have a lot of complications. Um, we have, we have a very, very nice house, but we haven't just gotten on a path of, of better and better and better and, and moving up because that takes time. It takes energy. It takes um, a whole lot of stuff. And so it's like we've chosen simpler paths that have allowed us to take stress out of our lives and has allowed us to do what we love to do. So part of the house thing is like, I don't love decorating. I'm not like, you know, that's not my thing. So the idea of moving to a new house and redecorating it and getting furniture and all that stuff, it's like, that just takes my life away. So we spend our life on the things that we love. And that's especially spending time together. So Steve and I get to spend a lot of time together. I love to learn. I have time to learn. We love being with our family. And so we have, for us, see other people love the excitement of, of always new projects. And so that's perfect. That brings them happiness. For us, we like simplicity. And it, it does give us a lot of freedom to choose where we do it and to eliminate stress. Wow, that's awesome. And I, I, I totally, you know, second that because what you're saying, just keep it simple, you know, because when we are in the race of, you know, more and more or better, there, there is no end to it. So that's a wonderful, wonderful point. Yeah, simplicity, I think, brings a lot of peace as well. Yeah. So uh, another thing I'm really intrigued about knowing is your experience of writing a book about your husband, Steve. <laughs> we all know he's a very well-known name, especially in the coaching world. Everybody knows him. And uh, I, I know like how amazing he is. And you had shared with me like there's nobody like Steve as well. And Gary, my coach, also tells me that. And I'm sure the book is going to be a masterpiece. So please share how was the experience of writing this book? and what you're all going through while writing this book well it's um it started a little over a year ago about a year ago last march so you know 16 months ago or so and a wonderful man named alan d thompson from australia contacted steve he had had one be with session one coaching session with steve like 10 years ago and it just had changed his life and it, periodically, he'd say, Steve, I need to write a book. I want to write a book about you. And Steve's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And then just the way that he approached it, and, and part of it, he said, God is, you know, compelling me to write this book about you. And he's amazing. And it just, you know, it's like, maybe this is the right time and the right thing to do. And Steve spent four months downloading all kinds of information and telling stories to Alan and and Alan interviewed over a hundred people that Steve that know Steve and had worked with Steve. And he just he had well over a hundred hours of interviews. And he wrote up this this great book and he sent us the first draft. And it, it was great, but I realized that Alan hadn't lived the experiences that I had lived with Steve. And so I'd go through it and then think, man. He didn't get this right, which I couldn't blame him because he hadn't lived it. So that's, yeah, I mean, I have total space for that. And then I'd read it and I think, oh, but we need this story and we need this story. And the way it evolved is, and I have to say, Alan said throughout the whole thing, he said, 
you know, I'm going to give you this. If, if it's not what you want, take it and you can write it yourself. You can get someone else to write it. You can put it on a shelf. You don't have to do anything with it. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, of course we're going to go with it. But when I read it, it just felt like this is my husband. I know him like no one else knows him. And it just felt like this is the right thing to do. So it's been over a year. I, I've jumped in. It's been a full-time thing. Um, we get up early. We get up early anyway. We get up at like five o'clock, do our exercises, get things done. And then I would write till 5.30 every single day, six days a week. And so it was a project that was exhilarating. It was creative. It was amazing. It was exhausting. You know, at times it's frustrating. I spent six weeks reading all of Alan's interviews, which I'm reading a computer translated or computer generated transcript, which is hard because people don't speak the same way as you write. So it's hard. You're working through it. But one of the best things is I know Steve like no one else does, you know, and I know all the amazing things that no one doesn't know him and the loving, tender crazy zany things so I get it all but I loved getting to see how other people saw him you know you're you always you just see through your life and your experiences and so this was a unique opportunity for me to see him the way other people see him and you know I was kind of blown away you know it's 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 pretty impressive for me to see the lives that he has touched and the 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 big impact he has had with so many people and so many people in the coaching world. So it has been a great experience and Steve has been a great cheerleader and Alan's been gracious and amazing. And it's like this book could never have been here without all of this groundwork that he has done. And, and so we're co-authors, you know, with, with all of his work and all of his research and then with me sticking, jumping in and, and, and doing the writing part of it. So it's been a, a great experience and I'm really ready to be done. I'm, I'm kind of tired. Oh, amazing, amazing. And that, that is really bringing out a question in my mind now, as you said that no one, no one knows, uh, you know, Steve Love the way you do. So, so tell us more about how is your experience, you know, living with a man and who is just larger than life himself and who is so amazing and the way people think about him. So how is your experience? Because I always tell people, you know, the woman is the soul of the family. It is always like that, isn't it? So how has been your experience to be, you know, really with him, you know, a man like him? Um, first of all, he is so loving. You know, he, he's just, um, if you read the book or if you know him, he's just, he's really intense. So everything he does is big. You know, it's big. He has this huge energy around him. And so he brings this huge amount of love. So I feel so cherished, you know, and he's so, 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 so supportive. And you had mentioned this. Oh, let me go back and say this. I feel so loved, you know, he, and he would always, he would have me with him every minute of the day, you know, and, and it's, it's just so sweet to be adored that way. And, you know, he's always telling me, you know, you're the most beautiful woman in the world to me. You're the only one that I care about. You're the only one I'll ever be with. I mean, he's just... He's just wonderful. And he would 
kids say, let's go shopping, let's go get you some clothes. And I'm like, oh, I don't like to shop. You know, and every other woman or woman's probably going, yes, I wish I had a husband that liked to shop. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then he'd take me out there and he'd, he'd pick out things and I'd show him and say yes or no. And, and get, I couldn't decide, he'd say, get them both. You know, so he, he'd be so fun with stuff like that. And, and, and I would admit once he gets me out there, then I can do okay. Um, but let's see, I was going to say something else about, now I'm trying to remember. It's okay. um, yeah, yeah. He, so he, he's, he's so fun. He has so much energy. Um, one of our challenges, how different our energy levels are. Like, I have this in the book that people are like, he has higher energy than anyone I've ever met in the whole world. You know, so he has this huge high energy and I am much more um, calm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty low key, but along with that, it's not just calmness. Like sometimes he needs more excitement and I'm like, I've had plenty of excitement. I need to just stay home where it's quiet. And because we have ultimate trust for each other, you know, there's, he'll, he'll go out and he's like, okay, I'll see you at the end of the day. And he'll go out and he'll just meet people. You know, he'll go to a mall and just meet people. I mean, he'll have a list of things to do and he just loves it. You know, he, he, he loves meeting people and I will, he'll come home and I'll be like, great. I had some time to, to decompress. I had some time to, to read or to think or to have quiet time to regenerate or whatever, whatever it is. So we've had to learn to accommodate that energy, including sometimes I'll go on a trip with my sisters. We have try to have a sister's trip every few years and he'll use those trips and he'll just go and vacation. And, and all he needs is a car and, and a place to meet people. And when we travel together, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, here, I'm going in this castle. You can stay out here and talk to everyone. And so we have to adjust our different styles. Our styles aren't naturally compatible in some ways. So knowing that we have different energies, knowing that I need quiet time to regenerate, um, that I don't have the energy to, to have all of the huge projects that he sometimes sees, we we've adapted by just having space like and because we can trust each other it's like yeah go off for a week you know go go and meet whoever you want and have all these crazy zany adventures and i'll do this very typical you know vacation with this itinerary where we go to museums and castles and you know and it's like and then we come back and 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 it works so we adapt for each other's energy levels, you know, and, and what we need. So, so again, it's working with each other, not making each other wrong for the way that we are, just knowing we have different needs and that's totally fine. It's, you know, totally, totally fine. Well, it's beautiful what you said. It's about trusting each other and as you said, adapting to each other's needs and really tuning into that. I think that's, that's just the key for this beautiful relationship you have. Beautiful. I think this is a beautiful wrap-up of our conversation. And I, I would just ask you to give any last message you want to give to moms, dads, grandmas, grandfathers, whoever is listening to us or viewing us now, Amy. What last message you like to give to them to you know, really create a happy family? Um. I guess the message that I would give is just family is so important. And being a mom is so important. You know, it's not something that should ever 
be denigrated. It should not ever be, I'm just a mom. It's like you are having this massive influence in the life of another human being. And so really cherish that you have this privilege to do this. That, you know, these are human beings that you love more than anyone else, you know, in the world, you know, outside your, your spouse. And it's like, it is a privilege to share your life with them, to help, um, help create someone that can just, um, to give them the foundation to fly. And it goes on for generation and generation. And I'd come back to my parents and I'd say to them, like we would have done the forum or something where people talk about their childhoods. And so often there's all this trauma. And I'd just come back and I'd say, mom and dad, do you realize how amazing you were? And they'd say, no, we just did what our parents did. And it's like, you know, if you can create a stream of functional families, from grandparents to parents to you know children who then become up and have a functional family where they love and enjoy family, where they create this healthy base where they kids get security and love and they know who they are. It's like there is so much power in that. I mean, just the power to not just have one family, but a string of families, a heritage of love. It is like, how do you put a value on that. I mean, it, it's so important. And it happens piece by piece, day by day, you know, little activity by activity to reading to tucking them into bed. It's not all done in one big swoop. It's every single day. So it's a constant work. And know that it doesn't have to be perfect to have that kind of power. Beautiful. Such beautiful message. I just love it, Amy. Thank you so much. It was really such a delight to talk to you and listen to all your experiences, you know, of motherhood and all your life. Thank you so much for sharing all this with me. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you, Salani. Such a warm conversation, such a loving conversation with Amy Hardison. I'm sure that you enjoyed the show as much as I did. And I want you to know whether you have chosen to be a stay-at-home mom or you have focused your energies on both your career and your family. Please drop the guilt, mother, and start believing in yourself. Start feeling more happy about every choice you have made in your life. There will be days when you will be able to balance it all and there will be days when you're not going to do that. It's all good. I hope this episode will give you hope, bring some joy, happiness and I will see you in the next episode with some more wisdom nuggets and joy to warm your heart. Thank you so much for listening and if you like this episode, please do share it with other moms and dads. I'm sure they will benefit with it as well. And write a review for me and Amy on Apple Podcasts or on CastBox. Bye-bye.